Hello, learners, and thanks for tuning in to Beats Research Radio, a podcast and YouTube channel dedicated to bringing our community closer to research in the science and engineering fields. My name is Philip Corbin, and I'll be your host for this episode. My colleagues, Dahlia Frank Kamenetsky, Kasson Kelly, and I are from the TMM program's science communication course, and we've prepared a great episode for you guys. The disease of interest today is asthma. Most of us know that asthma is a respiratory disease that can cause wheezing, chest tightness, and coughing attacks. But what is the microbiology that can explain this common disease? Today, we had the opportunity to chat with Dr. Leila Mostasso-Gidolin that has done research on the microbiology of asthma. I can assure you that everyone will learn something from this episode. After receiving her master's degree in physics applied to medicine and biology at the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil, she relocated to Canada to pursue her PhD and postdoctoral studies at the universities of Manitoba and British Columbia. She is now a researcher in the Department of Systems and Computer Engineering at Carleton University. We'll be questioning her about her article, Defective Fibrillar Collagen Organization by Fibroblast Contributes to Airway Remodeling in Asthma, that she published in 2019. In this study, they investigate the extracellular matrix. The extracellular matrix is a complex network found in all tissues that is made up of non-cellular components like proteins. This network acts as a scaffold for cells, permitting specific components to migrate, and it contributes in the regulation of several functions such as wound healing responses, tissue differentiation, and maintaining balance. Collagen fibers are the most prevalent proteins in the extracellular matrix and the most abundant protein in our bodies. Many pathologies are connected with anomalies of collagen fibers due to their abundance in the body. In fact, because collagen is essential for the maintenance and construction of the pulmonary epithelium, it has been identified as a protein involved in asthma. However, since the extracellular matrix is made up of various proteins and the interactions between the cells and this network is crucial to understand its role, it's impossible to identify the complete mechanisms using 2D imaging of the tissue, which is how it's mainly studied in the lab. Dr. Mostasso Gidolin's research is particularly interesting as she stimulates the airway tissues of asthmatic patients in her lab using 3D bioprinting. This method is like a 3D printer, but it uses biological materials to recreate the bodily environment. Using a nonlinear optical microscope, it was possible to examine the collagen in a physiological context in the lab. This microscope is unique since it uses different properties of light than a traditional microscope, allowing us to see more of a bigger picture. This enabled Dr. Mostasso Guidon and her colleagues to discover intriguing collagen discoveries in asthmatic patients, which we'll mention as we ask her a few questions. So thank you, Dr. Mostasso Guidolin, for being here with us today. Our first question that we have for you um, is that when we, when we read your article, we saw that most tissue imaging is done in 2D. Um, however, this doesn't really accurately portray the physiological environment of the cells. Uh, so we were pretty amazed to see that you did 3D bioprinting, which created a more accurate representation of the cells environment. So what were the challenges that you faced when you were trying to recreate the asthmatic model versus the non-asthmatic model uh, with bioprinting? Yeah, no, so it's 
First of all, it's my pleasure to be here today. And uh, that's a great question. So in short, we, we are still facing a lot of challenges and uh, we are still developing, a let's say, a more robust model, a 3D model of the airways. And uh, we have printed some of the 3D structures, including a, a hollow tube one. But uh, having different types of cells is a different story. So they all have uh, different culture requirements. Their microenvironment is very di different. And um, we need, uh, for example, different concentrations of proteins and other biomolecules. So the challenge starts even before we are printing the, the tissues. So we have to start uh, wondering about uh, these questions even before we, we look into the, patholo the, the pathology side of things. So for example, we, we have to look at uh, which kind of proteins we have to be to keeping there, what kind of cells we are going to include in our model. So there is a lot of planning before we get to the point that uh, actually bioprinting a tissue or any sort of structure. So the idea is um, we would like to have the cells uh, surviving and behaving as they would in the body, right? So it's very important to have the biochemical signals uh, checked so they would receive uh, certain triggers and uh, they would, uh, for example, start synthesizing collagen like uh, it was the case of that uh, article that you guys read. And uh, on top of everything, there is also some biomechanical cues. So when we are bioprinting, it's also very important to take into consideration the mechanical properties of the tissues. So for example, the stiffness, for example, plays a huge role because that can modulate the cell behavior. And that's going to trigger biochemical responses as well. So it's a little bit of a cycle that happens in there. And finding all this balance is very challenging, but uh, it also makes this kind of research very exciting and highly rewarding when you get things right. All right, thank you. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really interesting. And there's like so many different things that you have to you know, take account for. You were able to analyze it with a unique microscope that we've never heard of before called nonlinear optical microscopy. And from what we've gathered, it allows you to kind of see the bigger picture rather than just like single targets. Uh, so why was this significant in the study of collagen and asthma for you? It's uh, just to clarify a little bit. Uh, this is a, it's not a different type of microscope, but it's a family of microscopy techniques. And uh, there are quite a few options in there. So for example, when you look at the, the microscope you might have seen in school that uh, you, you have there like the small one that you had probably in your high school or something, those are called uh, visible microscopes because we have uh, just a regular white light bulb in there to illuminate the samples and get the images that we needed. This one specifically, it's uh, the nonlinear microscopes. They, they are special because we use laser in there. And uh, so instead of having a regular light, we have laser and uh, the laser light will have uh, higher energy. And uh, that means that, uh, as you probably know, like a laser pointer or something, it has a very specific color, right? So that means that uh, we have photons with a specific wavelength. And uh, that's going to allow us this light to interact with the samples in a different way than the regular microscopes. So, so it's going to, to allow us to get signal from specific biomolecules in the tissue, for example. And uh, that's what made uh, the use of this type of microscopy special in this kind of work. 
Apart from seeing just the bigger picture of the cell, are there any other advantages of using the nonlinear optical microscope compared to your more traditional microscopes? That's a great point. So in my research, we use a lot of different types of microscopy and uh, the nonlinear one specifically is uh, special, as you mentioned, things, right? So one of the main techniques that uh, we use is called second harmonic generation microscopy. I know it's a mouthful. But uh, the beauty of uh, using that technique is that uh, that allows to see collagen fibers specifically. And uh, usually when we use regular microscopes, again, the, the microscope that you might have seen in your school or something, you, in order to see anything, you will need to use um, stainings or specific dyes that's going to allow you to see the specific structures of the tissues. When we use nonlinear optical microscopy, we don't need anything. So we can basically get the, the biological sample put under the microscope because of the laser, like I explained before, it's going to generate specific um, signals. And then now uh, we can get very specific images from different parts of the tissues. One of them is collagen, for example, which is the one that I, I use the most. So in your paper that you published in 2019, you exhibited for the first time the application of the nonlinear optical microscope uh, to demonstrate the collagen disorganization in the asthmatic airways. Uh, could you please elaborate on which of your findings were able to show this? Yeah, so obtaining these beautiful images, it's, uh, yeah, we can acquire those with uh, the special microscope, but it's only one part of the puzzle. So analyzing these images is, uh, is another part of the story per se. And uh, so in order to make sense of what we are seeing, we have to find ways to, to obtain some metrics, right? To quantify the changes that we, we can see from those images. And um, in that research was, uh, we were the first ones to successfully apply what's called a texture analysis. So for example, just like uh, when we look around in the world, we our eyes can perceive, for example, if a surface is smooth or if it is rough, for example, if you have something that's sharp or it is continuous. So we can take, um, advantage of some mathematical expressions to quantify textures in an image. Just like we do normally when we look at things, we can do the same thing calculating some parameters. And um, in this work specifically, we were looking at uh, collagen fibers from asthmatics and uh, non-asthmatic airways. And uh, we used texture analysis to quantify the, the collagen accumulate accumulation. And uh, we were looking at uh, how different they were. So we were able to see that they were more fragmented and they were more disorganized in asthmatics when compared to, to the non-asthmatic ones. And from our understanding, you've noticed this disorganization, but you you like also noticed that it wasn't a decrease of collagen, but it was more a decrease of decorin, uh, the protein decorin. Um, and so we were just wondering, what is the significance of this in the pathophysiology of asthma? And how did this discovery just change our overall understanding of asthma? Yeah, so the, the quantity of collagen is actually more in asthma, but uh, no one were able to see, let's say, the structure of the fibers before. So that was one of the main outcomes of that paper. So no one was able to look at, uh, let's say, the cell microenvironment before, before using this type of microscopy. And uh, so before it was uh, known that, uh, okay, so in asthma, we had more collagen accumulated and that's it. But uh, we were the ones showing that, no, it was more fragmented, more disorganized. 
And uh, making a very long story short, we, we started looking at um, what was happening, what was causing this disorganization, this, this fragmentation. And uh, what we ended up uh, seeing was that uh, the specific cell that's responsible for making collagen one, and uh, the one that's responsible to trying to repair the tissues in general, was not able to, to make these proper collagen fibers in asthmatic. And uh, this defect is the one that's related to the decorin expression. So decorin is a protein. And uh, these cells that they are called fibroblasts, they were not making enough decorin to allow the collagen fibers to be formed as they should. So they were trying to, let's say, repair the tissue, but uh, they were not able to, to make the fibers in a way that it should be done. So if you go back to the previous questions and you think about the mechanical properties of the tissue, for example, imagine that you are trying to repair something using ropes, but instead of having a nice, long, strong rope, you just have fragments of ropes scattered all over the place. So it's going to be very hard to rebuild the network that uh, you need in the tissues for the cells to communicate or to, to perform their functions. So this discovery was uh, kind of a fundamental discovery, but uh, we are still waiting to see what's going to be the actual impact in terms of, for example, developing new medications for asthma. At the moment, asthma has, not, has no cure, but uh, understanding all these details of what exactly is going on in, in the airways, in the tissue, it's, uh, it's what is going to, to allow us to one day hopefully develop a new therapy that uh, can, fingers crossed, cure asthma for good, right? Right, exactly. Uh, that's really interesting. Um, so then, like you said, there's still a lot more work to be done. Uh, so since you released your paper in 2019, has there been any development in this project? Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the paper released in 2019 was a result of four years of uh, very intense work. So all those things, they don't happen overnight. <laughs> and uh, it takes time to generate more groundbreaking results and so on. And uh, the COVID pandemic has slowed down progress a lot. So my lab suffered a lot because of all the lockdowns and so on. But uh, despite all the challenges, we, we have been very busy working on improving the, the 3D airway model that uh, we mentioned before. So we are working on developing further the kind of a hollow tube structure for an airway, integrating more types of cells in there. And uh, yeah, we have been working with uh, different researchers from Fraunhofer University, from the University of Ottawa, from UBC, and also the National Research Council. And uh, yeah, so we have been making a lot of progress, especially building the, the network to make this research possible. Thank you so much for joining us today. On behalf of our director, Dr. Emilio Alarcón, and the whole Beats Research Radio team, we thank you all for tuning in. Beats Radio is supported by the University of Ottawa Heart Institute, the Beats Laboratory, and the Department of Biochemistry, Microbiology, and Immunology at the University of Ottawa. Don't forget to follow our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube platforms to stay in the loop of our latest uploads. Wishing everyone good health, and we'll see you all next week.